Hello and welcome to the Strikeout Central podcast. I am your host, Michael, and it is time for another episode of the podcast. This one is going to be a trade deadline preview in advance of the 6 p.m. deadline on Tuesday, August 2nd. In addition to the podcast, please follow the blog at www.strikeoutcentral.blogspot.com for daily baseball posts. trade deadline may be on Tuesday, but we already have some moves being made across baseball. The New York Yankees went first, acquiring Andrew Benintendi from the Kansas City Royals in exchange for a trio of minor league pitchers. The Yankees also made a move for Cubs reliever Scott Efros, sending number 7 prospect Hayden Wesneski to the Cubs. The crosstown rival Mets acquired outfielder Tyler Naquin and lefty reliever Philip Deal from the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for a pair of unranked prospects. The Reds also dealt ace Luis Castillo to the Seattle Mariners for a package of prospects centered around number one Seattle prospect Noel V. Marte. The Dodgers struck a deal with the Chicago Cubs for reliever Chris Martin, sending utility player Zach McKinstry back to Chicago. The Phillies traded reliever Jojo Romero to the Cardinals in exchange for infielder Edmundo Sosa, while the Tampa Bay Rays acquired outfielder David Peralta from the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for catching prospect Christian Serta. The Braves traded for infield depth by acquiring Ere Adrianza from the Nationals, sending outfield prospect Trey Harris back to Washington. The big trade that also went down was the Brewers sending all-star closer Josh Hader to the Padres in exchange for their closer, Taylor Rogers, righty pitcher Denelson Levette, outfield prospect Esteori Ruiz, and lefty pitching prospect Robert Gasser. Wrapping things up, the Rockies took their closer, Daniel Bard, off the trade market with a two-year, $19 million extension. So today is the trade deadline preview episode of the podcast, and helping me preview the big day in Major League Baseball is Stephen Nesbitt of The Athletic. How's it going today? It's good, man. Busy day. We're getting ready on the uh, trade deadline eve. It's going to be... Busy tomorrow. We've had a couple of trades already today. I apologize to the audience if this is all terribly outdated by the time uh, you hear it, but we'll have a good time uh, talking a little bit of ball. Plenty of plenty of things. Um, plenty of things gonna gonna be coming in the next twenty four hours, and to just catch up to where we are, we just had the Josh Hader trade. I don't know if it's finalized, but it seems to be set up between the Padres and the Brewers, and then we've had just a couple of smaller moves. Scott Efros going from Cubs to the Yankees, and hearing uh, Adrianza going from Nationals to the Braves. So that's where we are. So if you're listening later, that you got to put yourself back in that mind, that little mind space. Yeah, so we'll start off with, obviously, one of the trades you just mentioned, one of the biggest trades so far of the deadline. Again, at the time we're recording this, it's 2 o'clock on Monday, so it is still kind of early. Uh, happened about 35 minutes before we started recording. Josh Hader was sent from the Milwaukee Brewers to the San Diego Padres. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this big trade? Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I wasn't really thinking of this trade being possible until Ken Rosenthal wrote, wrote just this morning sort of the reasons why the Brewers are, are listening to offers on Hader, who is one of the, I mean, the one of the most feared relievers in the game, one of the best lefties that we've seen in quite some time. Um, and he's having a, uh, I guess worse numbers this year, but the, I mean, he's still got the the stuff to be 
of course, an all-star again and, and one of the best relievers in the game. So the reasons they would potentially move on were that he's making $11 million this year. He'll probably make north of $15 million next year and then be a free agent. Um, he only wants to pitch in uh, you know, a clean inning, so one inning increment where some teams like to go five outs, six outs even sometimes um, based on where the lineup is. Uh, he didn't prefer to do that. And then the last factor is Devin Williams is really good. So he's been their setup guy who kind of broke out in 2020. He allowed one run over that whole shortened season and one rookie of the year. Um, he's, he's ready to be a closer somewhere. And if you're going to trade one of those two guys, you're going to hold on to the, the righty um, Williams, who is, is under contract for a couple more years, I think 2024. Five maybe his his last year with, under contract with the Brewers. So, um, so they made their call. I guess it's interesting because the Brewers are a team that's that are that's built on their pitching, right? They're anchored by a strong starting rotation and a shutdown bullpen, and so you're stealing from that that um, that position of strength in the bullpen. And you're saying we can make it work. We'll bring in Taylor Rogers, and uh, we'll be all right. But um, but it does make you wonder because they didn't make their lineup any better here. And maybe they have other moves in the offing. Um, they didn't make their lineup better and they did make their bullpen weaker. So um, we'll see how this goes. The, the bottom line is this is a move made by a team that says we need to get something pretty good for Josh Hader while we can, because he's not the most useful to us in that he only wants to go one inning at a time. And we don't want to pay someone 16 million next year who, only wants to go one inning at a time. So I think there could be some argument that you should have made this move in the off season coming up, but uh, and used him through this, this postseason stretch, but um, it might, might work out in their favor. It really depends on who the prospects coming back are. And we haven't really seen, I don't think we've seen those names quite yet. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that this trade is happening now, because I remember in previous deadlines and even last off season, there had been kind of rumors swirling around, like is Josh Hader going to get traded? And then it kind of happens. I mean, there had been kind of a little buzz this time around, but for the most part, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it kind of did. I mean, he's not having the best season either, so I think people thought, uh, just lately more, I think he had a one ERA as recently as a couple weeks ago, and it has gone south recently, and he's, I know, dealt with some um, some things uh, back home. They had a, had a baby, I believe, and I think there was some complications. So life happens, life hits you, and and uh, baseball is no longer the the top priority, and you have to get things sorted out. So um, I certainly hope all is all is well there, and hope that a trade doesn't you know overly complicate his life. But um, but yeah, he is a guy who it feels a little bit like you're selling low on Josh Hader, which which isn't really where you want to be. But again, it, it depends on what the return is now. Rogers is a guy who's been a really good reliever. He's been a closer um, as recently as a couple of days ago for the Padres, and they went to a closer by by committee just before this trade. So, um, you know, this could end up looking just fine for the Brewers. Bottom line, they're saving some money, and so they can uh, spend that elsewhere. Maybe they bring in another bat. You know, maybe that's this is an opportunity for them to save in one area and then spend a little bit more to bring in another, you know, whatever they want to bring in. Um, they're a team that's in all likelihood, I think going to be in the playoffs. So, you know, can you make your lineup better so that you're not just walking right out of the playoffs like they did last year against the Braves? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's kind of funny that you mentioned bats because that segues me into the next sort of topic. And that's Juan Soto. He's been in a ton of trade rumors lately after he had turned down a reported 15-year, $440 million 
extension offer from the Washington Nationals. He is going to be a free agent soon, not after this year, but soon. Uh, and the Nationals started shopping him after he turned down that offer. Um, so what's the latest on Soto? So what basically everyone seems to be reporting is that there are three teams that are like in, in on him. Um, that if Mike Rizzo of the Nationals is truly willing and, and motivated to move him, then this um, one of these teams is, is most likely it's the Cardinals, the Padres, and the um, Dodgers, um, which it all kind of makes sense, right? The Cardinals have the top-end prospects to make this work. They have a, a number of guys who can be packaged together, um, starting with a major league outfielder, probably Dylan Carlson, and then uh, you, have, you have Mason Wynn, you have... Um, uh, Jordan Walker, you have uh, Matthew Libertor. So there are there are a number of ways they could package that together and get fair value. Um, the Padres also have a, 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 probably three or four guys that are at double A AA or higher who would uh, be good enough to make that a compelling package without throwing in you know, a bad contract like Patrick Corbin's. And um, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They always have depth. They always have... Um, a little bit more than everybody else it feels like in, in terms of the the prospect pipeline so they have a ton of pitching ready at um either just reaching the major leagues or uh triple a and double a so um i mean they have names that we all know when they hit double a and that's pretty rare you know there are very few organizations that have that much that much pitching especially and pitching is hard to come by so um it almost feels like they, they could maybe almost give away fewer top end mm -hmm. prospects if they can give away um they can do it with with pitching because it's so coveted in the game today so um so where things stand now it does feel like um maybe a 50 50 toss up with with one so actually moving because you could just wait to the off season and um for example let's say the mets and the yankees if you if you were the nationals wouldn't you want them to be involved what they could probably make it happen, but it's really difficult for a lot of teams in the middle of the season to part with top prospects and guys who are already reaching the majors because you might have plans for them to help out this season and you don't have free agency to backfill. So if you were to trade them in, in December or January, then you'd have time to spend a little bit more to round out the rest of your team, fill in those holes that you just traded from. So, um, so there are enough suitors that I think they could pull the trigger here or pull this trade off. But uh, I could also just as easily see them waiting for this offseason as long as they think that the relationship with Juan Soto is, is not uh, damaged too much by, by these couple of weeks of, of uh, trade rumors swirling and they think that they're fine holding on to him, then, uh, then I could certainly see that happening. They, don't, they are not obligated to move him. There's still plenty of time on his contract. Um, and uh, this offseason, they would still get a King's Ransom for him. So I, I think it's 50-50, it's but there's definitely more um, I mean, there's more momentum than, than we would have guessed a couple weeks back. Absolutely, absolutely. And even just going back to the hater trade for a second, it doesn't seem like anybody that the Padres gave up in that hater trade would necessarily take them out of the running for Juan Soto. Yeah, no, it, it, it shouldn't. You know, they, they still position themselves where where they still have the guys to get that deal done. And, you know, we've seen a slower market developing the last few days and you know, over the weekend, I think we're all kind of waiting for 
for news to happen and, and to jump up and, and uh, write some analysis on all of that. Nothing really did happen. Um, Luis Castillo at the start of the weekend. And I think that's due in part to the people waiting around to see what's happening with Shohei Otani and Juan Soto. And it looks at this point like Shohei's probably um, who's never that likely to move in, during the season. It doesn't look like he's going to go anywhere. And um, Otani and, and Soto were, were still up in the air because I think teams are, they don't want to, the Dodgers don't want to go acquire Luis Castillo and give up, you know, their best prospects if, uh, they want to get Soto. So you don't want to lose the Soto sweepstakes just because you jump too early on someone else. I mean, this is a generational type talent. This is a, you know, Hall of Fame track type talent. So you don't want to have missed out on that opportunity just because you got like Joe Reliever and gave up one of your top prospects. And, and then the Nationals say, no, we actually really wanted that guy. So, um, so I think that's why things are going to move slowly. And if the Nationals aren't actually going to move this guy, they're probably better off for everyone's sake, including Juan Soto saying that today. You know, if they say, like, listen, we're just not getting the packages. We, we're not getting close to what we expect. Then just figure, you know, decide today that you're done. Um, and, uh, and let him know so he can prepare, so you can deal with Scott Boris's uh, wrath over this situation. Um, and so you can – other teams can move on to other trade targets because if they, just, if they hold on to him until 5.58 tomorrow and then decide, okay, we're ready to, ready to really talk, then uh, it's going to put a lot of people in a, in a weird situation and maybe we'll have a lot fewer trades than we expected just because everyone's waiting. Yeah, and during that, obviously, you just brought up Shohei Otani and how he might not go anywhere. First of all, just in my opinion, the fact that he was even on the market is just wild. He was even rumored to be on the market is just wild because of everything he does to the Angels. But, I mean, he is a free agent after 2023, they have a couple big contracts. So like if you can't afford them long-term, maybe it makes sense. But at the same time, you really going to trade Shohei Otani? I think on the surface, it almost makes more sense to trade him than it does Soto. If you were to sort of separate everything else and just look at the contract situation, how they're doing um, and the futures of those two, two teams. I mean, it, it just seems, it seems like angels try as they might aren't going to have, uh, contending team next year just because they haven't in quite some time and there's questions now about Mike Trout's health and so uh, they're closer to contending than the Nationals are so I understand them wanting to hold on to Shohei um, and there are other reasons of course too it's with uh, sort of the international marketing of him you know you're bringing in all sorts of new fans to the Angels you're bringing in different uh, revenue streams because of how marketable he is so um I understand that there's a lot more than just the X's and O's and his numbers that go into this, but he's a guy who's gone after next season. And when he's been asked about it recently, he has not, has not gone out of his way to say, I want to be an angel for the rest of my career. Um, he has basically said, I want to win. And uh, I love, love my teammates here. And I like being in Anaheim, uh, but I want to win. And so that opens the door where if they were interested in trading him, they, I think they certainly could. And uh, so in that way, they could get, a lot for him, but maybe the angels are tired of looking at prospects and waiting for things to pan out. Cause by and large, they haven't with Mike Trump being the huge exception there. Of course, the free agent deals they've done haven't worked out very well. Um, most recently with Anthony Rendon and much longer ago with Albert Pujols. So um, they've had some smaller wins with, uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard getting back on his feet there this year. Uh, but it just seems like they're quite a ways away with the, with the Mariners stocking up a bit and bolstering their rotation with Luis Castillo with the Astros being the Astros. I mean, 
I just think, think they're still a little ways away from contending. And if he's not going to sign long-term, if Shohei's not going to be there uh, beyond 2023, then um, you probably, I mean, it's either that you take advantage of trading him now or in the off season or next trade deadline, or he's going to walk away in all likelihood in, in uh, one of the most interesting free agent cases we'll, we'll probably ever see. And uh, you only get a competitive balance pick for it. So um, big decision there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A big decision. And of course, in that, you mentioned Luis Castillo, who was fired by the Mariners on on Friday, I think it was pretty, pretty recent. Um, but he had kind of he had kind of been in trade rumors for, for, for a little while, ever since the Reds did what they did this offseason. Um, some of the guys like Josh Bell in Washington, uh, Frankie Montas in Oakland, uh, Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ of the Cubs have also kind of been in trade rumors for, for a little while now. It hasn't, hasn't exactly been new. Um, obviously, they might all get dealt. They Maybe only some of them get dealt. Um, but what is the latest on the markets for some of those guys? Okay, starting with Frankie Montas, I think he's a slam dunk to get dealt. It seems like, honestly, by the time this podcast comes out, it's probably going to have happened already. Um, and there's reporting. I, I, I don't know exactly who's done it, so I apologize. I'm not crediting. But there's reporting that it's down, whittled down to a couple teams already, and teams are learning they're out of the, the Montas running. Um, so if I had to place a bet on this one, I'd say Yankees. It makes all the sense in the world for them. They had uh, some struggles in their rotation recently after having a really good start. Uh, Luis Severino has been injured. They could definitely use a number two, number three starter. And if you look at who's available right now, there aren't many twos and threes. Uh, after Castillo, who was a, a bona fide one, uh, was traded to the Mariners, it kind of goes Montas and then we're looking at like the Syndergaards, the Jose Quintana. Um, there's not a lot there because the, the, the arms that are there in that range, that, that two, three range are going to be a lot more expensive because they're not, they don't have to be traded. We're talking about Pablo Lopez with the Mariners. Sorry, with the Marlins. Um, we're talking about uh, Shohei Otani, who, again, we're not really expecting to, to actually be traded here. Um, uh, who else are we talking about in that range? They're, they're just a there are guys who don't actually have to be traded. I'm going to pull up my list in a minute here. Um, and so in order to get those guys, it's going to require giving up a lot more to pry them from a team that doesn't have to, doesn't have to trade them. And it seems like the A's, if anybody is, is motivated to trade someone, it's the A's and the Reds. And so uh, Montas is going to be moved. And I think the Yankees uh, make a ton of sense. Oh, the rest of that list was Tyler Malley, who has been much better of late with the Reds, but still he's, if you're taking Malley, or you're taking Montas, I think it's clear who you're going to take there. Um, and then your Syndergaards or Quintana, Zach Davies, uh, Chad Cool. You know, there's just not the same caliber as a Montas. So um, he's a guy who's going to who's going to go fast. I think. Um, beyond that, Josh Bell, uh, another guy who I mean, what Nationals have to trade him, and he probably goes before Soto um, if Soto goes at all. Uh, there are a couple of really good fits. Houston's a really good fit. Um, you know, you could even find a spot for him on on the Blue Jays who have uh, a really good lineup and it's been one of the very best in baseball for a couple months now, but um, they could do it. Um, you could talk yourself into the Mets as well. So there are a lot of different landing spots for Bell and I think they'll end up getting a pretty good, pretty good return for a guy who's just a rental um, because of how many suitors there are. And you had one last for me. What was the other name? 
uh, Will Contreras and Ian Happ. Oh yeah, Contreras and Happ. I mean, <laughs> I feel like they already said their goodbyes. Um, yeah. Contreras is going to be moved. Houston's a really good fit for them as well. They they uh, I think Houston will probably get one of the two, uh, Bell or Contreras. Bell probably more likely. Um, that's just my gut feeling there. But Contreras has said goodbye. He clearly has not enjoyed this sort of emotional, prolonged farewell to Chicago. Um, he's ready for it to be over. And uh, I think it will be soon. Hap, I don't think they have to move Hap. I think I think it seems like they will. It seems like he's kind of saying his goodbyes too. But they're quite a ways from contention. And I think he would help them get there. But if they are not going to be getting there this year and – if I'm not mistaken, he's under contract for next year as well, or he's still um, pre, uh, still arbitration eligible. Then um, they don't have to, they don't have to get rid of that guy. And so, if one of the two is going to stay, yeah, I'm correct. He's a free agent after next season. One of the two is going to stay. It's of course going to be him. Um, but it does seem like the, if, if how he's acted is any indication, he's probably saying his farewells because he's been told there's a really good chance that that you're moving. So. Um, I mean, teams that want a corner outfielder is basically everybody. Relievers and corner outfielders, whether that's to start or be on the bench, is, is pretty much everyone. So um, pick your team, and, and they could they could fit an Ian Happ on the roster. Yeah. You mentioned Happ being under contract for one more year. Is is Contreras a pending free agent? Am I wrong? Is he not? I don't know. That, that just got me a little curious. I was yeah. Like... Free agent 2023. Yeah, so he is uh, – this is his last season. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's and he is. Uh, I mean, it's man, it's tough to find catchers that hit like this. So OPS plus, he's 129. Um, just by your like regular stats, 14 homers, he's got um, 252 average. I mean, he's a plus hitting catcher, and there aren't many of those in the game. I feel like if, until we get to a point where framing doesn't matter, and I don't know if there are robots to work with, uh, you know, work with the pitching staff. Um, but uh, we don't see a lot of trades of catchers in season. It's just hard to do getting accustomed to the staff, getting accustomed to the pitching strategy at a new place. Um, but this one is a slam dunk. They're going to do it. He's going to be traded in the next you know, 28 hours. And, uh, and some team will be a lot better for it probably because of, uh, because of how they've upgraded their, their catching situation. If you look at the Astros, for example, um, Martin Maldonado is like a great defensive catcher. They've had some other really good defensive catcher um on that staff they work well with the staff but the 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 cold hard facts of the offensive side of things are just like it's a it's kind of a black hole you know it's look at the rest of their lineup what you're getting from there and if you're good enough you know if you're good enough to just like stomach having that um, that much of a black hole in your lineup thing great it means you have a great lineup and you're all set and so the astros are close enough to where they can maybe say that but if Wilson Contreras is gettable, and if someone's going to get him, if one of the contenders is going to get him, you have to be in that conversation. You have to think about that because um, you know, having that much of an upgrade, the catching position would be pretty huge for for a lot of teams. Yeah, well, another catcher, I, I mean, you can't go wrong with Wilson Contreras. He's one of the better catchers in the game, but another one of those really good catchers is Sean Murphy in Oakland, who you mm-hmm. mentioned Oakland and Cincinnati as being few teams that have really been like okay we'll trade we'll trade guys obviously they both traded away quite a lot of talent over the offseason um the reds even so far this trade deadline season have already traded the aforementioned luis castillo they've traded tyler naquin and philip deal to the mets i mean tyler malley's been rumored in trade discussions but i mean how much more talent do they really have to trade 
I know. I mean, it's basically what can you get? What can you get for these guys at this point? I mean, Tommy Pham, is he going to be traded? Brandon Drury, Kyle Farmer. I mean, they've they've had some guys that have had decent years, um, but aren't guys that are going to bring a ton in return. So it's like, what's more valuable to you now? Is it having veterans around? Is it, you know, trying to not be the fifth place team in the Central, which they just passed the Pirates uh, for fourth place? Um, or do you want to get every single lottery ticket double a arm that you can get from some other team, you know, um, and shed some more salary along the way. So, um, it's a balancing act. I don't really envy any, any rebuilding GMs positions because you're weighing a lot of factors at the same time. But, uh, ultimately the goal is to get back to some enjoyable days at the ballpark and the reds are, are quite a ways off and the A's are quite a ways off as well. And don't even know where that ballpark is going to be. So, um, so a Sean Murphy, yeah, he's not, he's, I think he's got three more full seasons under contract after this. So there's no need to trade him. If you can get a ridiculous offer, then sure. Cause you're so far away from, from it. If you kind of think, you know, what his true talent is and, and think this is a good time to trade him, go for it. You know, my, my colleague, Zach Mizell reported that the, the guardians have talked about Sean Murphy um, as of this morning. So sure. Go for it. But at some point you're going to need to start building back and, and keeping some of these guys for the longer term, something that actually we've seen the pirates do. I'd cover the pirates for a long time. I've seen the pirates do recently where they could trade Brian Reynolds, but they at least are trying to sell it to their fans. The idea that we're not tearing it all the way down with everybody. We did all that with the, the Joe Musgraves and the Chad cools and the Jameson Tyones and the Josh bells. We're not going to do that with the next wave, like Brian Reynolds and Brian Hayes. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Sean Murphy being under contract for a while. Yeah, his first, I just looked it up, his first arbitration year is not is next year. So, yeah, he's got three more years left. Yeah. Uh, I mean, outside of Murphy, like, is there anybody else they really build around? Because they're already, they, they're pretty intent on trading Juan Das. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's, let's, let's take a quick look at their roster. I mean, Murphy isn't young either. He's 27 now. Um, but I mean, they, they still have, it seems like the A's are just like a fount of, of pitching. They still have a Cole Irvin type. They have, uh, Paul Blackburn was an all-star this year. Uh, James Caprellian. Um, I mean, there are some guys still here in the, in the bullpen. There are some, you know, AJ, AJ Puck, we've been waiting for a long time for him to be the guy he is, um, right now. And so lineup wise, there's not a whole lot there. Ramon Laureano probably gets traded here. Um, and then Seth Brown has been been pretty good, but uh, yeah, man, we're just waiting for waiting for a lot to change with Oakland and a lot to get figured out about their future. Oh, absolutely, and I mean, there was yeah, nobody knows where they're going to play next season. There was, or even in a couple seasons, there was some kind of there'd been a little movement with Howard Terminal, but more and more, it feels like it's Vegas A's. <laughs> yes yeah we um we'll see man vegas is gonna be a really interesting place for baseball if they end up doing it um but yeah expansion we'll we'll, we'll have to get back to expansion in the years to come yeah uh so so far as of 2 30 on monday we've seen obviously the padres trade for josh Hader. uh the yankees got andrew benintendi Scott Efros, the Mets got obviously Tyler Naquin and Philip Deal, Mariners and Luis Castillo. They they they've been the early strikers teams that have bought early and improved their team as they try to 
in the Mariners case, finally make the playoffs after almost two decades. And in the Yankees and Mets case, push for a world series. Uh, obviously Dodgers seem like pretty obvious buyers. Anybody else out there? Yeah. So the Dodgers will do something. The Yankees will do more. Certainly. Um, I'm curious what we see the Phillies do. It's a team that's going to try and try and trying. They don't have a lot to give, like prospect-wise. They can always add some salary. Um, the Padres are going to do something more. We just don't know exactly what. Um, they're going to do something to help that lineup, I think. Um, and the way they position themselves today, saving some of their top prospects, I think they put themselves in a position to um, sort of go over the top with a deal. And remember last year when they were going after Max Scherzer, it seemed like he was theirs, and then uh, the Dodgers swooped in at the last minute and not only got him, they got t- Trey Turner as well. So I don't think the Padres want to repeat of that with Juan Soto um, or another big target they're going after. So they may be a little more willing to part with some of these top prospects. You know, if you if you lose a, a chance at a World Series just because you didn't want to give up that number three prospect or whatever, you feel pretty foolish eventually. So um, so who else we got? Who else is going to be a big player? You know, the White Sox are an inter- interesting position where they have not really put it all together this year, but they're still in striking distance of the uh, the Twins. The Twins are going to have to do something um, as well. They had a bunch of problems in their starting rotation, and it feels like one of these next tier of pitchers that I – starting pitchers that I named earlier would be a good fit uh, for the Twins. They need some help there. Um, and if Montas doesn't go to the Yankees, maybe it's a, maybe it's a Twins-type fit. Um, so, so yeah, there's some, there's some names, uh, in the Astros, as we mentioned, we'll have to, um, get some help at first base, probably first base center field and catcher are their areas of need. And they've said they're, you know, indicated that they're willing to part with some pitching if need be, whether that's an Urquidy or someone else, they, um, you know, order Rizzi, they could part with some of that to get stronger somewhere else. They have such a good pitching staff. So um so we'll see they're they're certainly going to make some moves in the last next 24 hours and the phillies you mentioned are kind of an interesting case because they actually are entering play monday are in a wild card spot they're in the last wild card spot in the nl if they choose to buy i mean it's just right i mean it's just kind of it's been their problem yeah i mean they have the offense that we expected minus um Didi Gregoris has been real rough at uh, at shortstop. They've had Bryson Stott come up and and from an offensive perspective be kind of the same guy. Um, but they have thumpers. They have big hitters. Uh, if Bryce Harper can come back and help them, if Gene Segura can come back and help them, um, they're they're in a, a pretty good position there. I don't think you need to add substantially unless there's a shortstop you can go get. Um, and I don't think they're really intent on doing that. You know, if you're stronger at catcher like they are with JT Romuto, maybe you don't have to be as good everywhere else. And so, um, yes, I think they, they could really use some help. Um, whether that's another starter, a little more help in the bullpen. They've had some, some pleasant surprises in the bullpen, like a Sir Anthony Dominguez. Um, and you know, Brad hand has been great as well. So they could, everyone could add a reliever. They definitely are one. And they, you know, it's almost like the, the, the price of a reliever is more what their range is now, given that, what they have the ability to add is or to give is a little bit in prospects, but they can spend money. There's a team that's especially under Dave Dombrowski spent a lot of money. So um, you have to give up one of those two things or a little bit of both in order to get someone valuable. So uh, they have a chance to add, I think at the margins here at the trade deadline. 
And there are some, obviously, we just talked about the buyers. It's went through a list of buyers, um, but obviously got to get these players from somewhere. And outside of Oakland and Cincinnati, who we've already talked about, uh, some other teams that seem like they're going to sell Tigers, Royals, Cubs have already sold a little bit, maybe the Texas Rangers. Uh, yeah. Are there any updates on some guys they might trade? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, looking around the board, we got the, the Pirates have started to do a little bit. Getting rid of Daniel Vogelbach to the to the Mets. Quintana is going to go as well. Uh, probably Ben Gamble as well, not a corner outfielder. Um, let's see, other ones that we have. The Rangers, I don't know that they're going to sell hard. I think they're in a position where they feel like they're taking a nice step forward. Um, probably no need to go too hard. They're going to probably be in a position that several teams are in, um, like the Marlins, like the Red Sox where they'll do a little bit, they'll, they'll position themselves in the way that they say they got better. But in reality, you'd probably look at them and say, well, you traded JD Martinez. How did you get better today? You know um, you traded Pablo Lopez. Maybe did you really get better, but if you get the right return, then you could talk yourself into it and say, we, we, we took withdrew from an area of strength and deposited it into an area of weakness and we're better for it. Um, so so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see that happening. Uh, another obvious name we should throw out is Joey Gallo. Is gonna something's gonna happen if no one if there's no taker, then he's probably gonna get DFA. I imagine. Um, and uh, the A's have a little bit. The Reds have a little bit to give up. The Rockies are an interesting one. They just resigned, ex- extended Daniel Bard, their closer, who would have been a, a decent trade piece. And I'm not totally sure what they're doing over there. Um, <laughs> but Daniel Bard's a real nice guy, and and he's he's enjoyed his time there. So. Um, He's been good too. So they kept him around. Jose Iglesias could be a shortstop fill in someone. That'd be a curious one for the, uh, I don't think it makes sense for the Phillies, but if you wanted a, a pretty, pretty good defender, he used to be a great defender who has a, a good bat for a contact for average. You know, maybe that's something to think about if you're them. Yeah. It's funny talking about the Rangers and how they might not sell. It's like, yeah, now we're only 20 games out of the AL West. That's right. I mean, it's all a question like, what do you do with Martin Perez? He's been a revelation this year, but are you going to get paid like he's a revelation? Or are you going to get paid like he is a off and on starter before this year? You know, are you going to get paid like who he has been this year? Are you going to pay who people think he probably is going to be? Um, it's, a, it's a rental. It seems like the Ranger would like to keep him. And so if you're going to keep him, you might as well try to do that now. Or maybe you talk to his agent and say, hey, we'll bring you back in the offseason, but we really should um get something for you i mean that that's a guy maybe you just hold on to and and get a qualifying offer attached to him or something um but uh that seems like the biggest piece they can move and i just don't think i don't think you can end up getting that much for him and you mentioned uh, you bring up the qualifying offer and obviously that's that's still staying in place that system because they couldn't MLB and the players could not agree on an international draft. So that system yeah. is staying in place. Is, is that a route? Somebody like I hate to bring up my team here, but somebody like the Red Sox could go with JD Martinez, Christian Vasquez, Nate Valdi, possibly Xander Bogarts, given that he opts out all expected to hit the open market this season. If they don't trade all of them. Yeah, it, it would have, I mean, I think with Xander, it probably played a part of the equation that he's, you know, apparently been told that he's not going to get traded. They can get something back for him, even if it's not something that's nearly as good as keeping him or, uh, or maybe one of the old style of qualifying offers. We got a significantly higher pick. So 
Um, so it could impact the way they go. It seems like JD Martinez is, it, it just kind of seems like he's probably headed out the door. Um, and they have some options to, to backfill or get someone else, um, an opportunity there. So I think they're going to, it's going to be a little bit of give and take there where, um, they're still going to give themselves a fighting chance, uh, without being a, a full-time buyer, but they're not going to be a seller and tear down to the ground in a way they just don't really do in Boston. They don't really, in, in the past, they've had opportunities to, to tear it down. They haven't done it because I think that fan base demands more. And I think for, for good reason, and the ownership is deep pocketed enough that they don't have to. And so you can buy yourself out of some bad, bad situations. So you're not in a bad situation now. You're just probably not going to make, make the postseason, you know, it's, and if you are, it's going to be a wild card. So why don't you give yourself that chance? Go for it. Uh, look what that team did last year, really overachieving in a good way. And, and who's to say they can't do that again this year. But is J.D. Martinez the difference between you getting there and, and not? Probably not. So it's okay if you want to trade him. But um, Christian Vasquez, Martinez, maybe they get traded. But I, I think there will be additions that make you or the rest of the fan base say, like, okay, all right. I, you know, I still I like this team going forward. We got Devers. We got Bogots. We got uh, Bobby Dahlbeck is going to be a little bit better. And, um, you know, Verdugo, maybe he steps things up to be a little bit more the guy we thought he was going to be breaking into the majors. Um is back and healthy. Maybe that makes a big difference. Um, so I don't know. There's there's kind of questions all over for them, but that is a route they could take. You know, it's it's definitely definitely a very interesting, very interesting deadline for a lot of sellers, really. If you think yeah. about it. Yeah, it is, and and it's like hard to even on like the where the needle goes, buyer or seller. Like they're just somewhere in the middle. There are a lot of teams that are going to sit there. Um, they wouldn't call themselves sellers, but they maybe just kind of. Maybe they'd call themselves opportunistic. Maybe that's the word that's in the middle. Yeah, you mentioned opportunistic for some teams that might stand pat, kind of might do a little bit of both buying and selling. And I feel like one team that I kind of think of in that category, obviously you mentioned the Red Sox, you mentioned the Rangers, but team I can think of there is the Baltimore Orioles, who had a pretty good season. They're only a couple games out of a playoff spot which I didn't say in that at the start of the year. But, I mean, obviously it's the Orioles, Red Sox, Rangers. What, like, just what's going on in Birdland? Birdland. Uh, yeah, man, you're right. If, if you would have told me that start of April, it would have been like, I think must have gone really wrong in the AL East. Like, everyone must have just beaten up on each other really badly, which hasn't really been the case. It's been a, a pretty good pretty good battle the whole way to the point where the, the Red Sox, you know, sitting around 500 or slightly above, isn't going to cut it right now with the way that division is going. So um, it is what we thought it was. So yeah, the Orioles man have um, really come up and been impressive. The pitching has been a lot better than we expected. Um, they may end up trying to do the same thing and threading the needle a little bit with um, trading a little bit from positions of strength. They you know they've got, they've got um, such talent in the bullpen let me i don't want to diss anybody so i'm gonna pull up their their roster again just remember um they're they're positioned to a point where they could probably trade jorge lopez and have i would guess felix batista be the closer but like there's a ton of arms there uh cionel perez uh has been great dylan tate's been good so they have found kind of uh diamonds in the rough or, or what what have you and all this development that they've been doing for so many years is paying off. Adley Rutschman's been solid, if not, uh, you know, spectacular. Um, 
and uh sorry i get a phone call so if it messes up the thing i apologize um then uh yeah they figured things out in a, in a pretty big way despite not having not having a totally like a not not a repeat season from uh from cedric mullins he's been average i would say this year uh, but you're having uh, kind of big steps forward from elsewhere, whether that's a Ramon uh, Urias or Austin Hayes has been a big one this year. Trey Mancini's had another good year, and, and we'll see if they decide to trade him. Uh, but, man, they just put it together. They've, they've made it work in a way that kind of makes you believe in what they have going forward. But it's still going to be a, a difficult climb because they have to add so much talent. And in so doing, they'll have to add payroll and, and see just what exactly their tolerance level is. Um, to keep up with the big boys there because the blue Jays are going to keep the foot, uh, you know, pedal down and the Yankees are, that's what they always do. The Red Sox will be coming back in a big way. And the Rays kind of figure out a way to be creative and get in the playoff picture every year. So, um, so yeah, they're going to have a lot of work cut out for them, but this has been, I think a hugely optimistic season for them. Yeah. And you mentioned diamonds in the rough, I think in particular making Jorge Lopez a reliever full time seems to really have no I don't want to say hit the jackpot, but it's really worked out. Dude, he's he's so good. He um he's one of those types where you watch him and you're like, where was this guy? You know, like he's a 29 year old guy coming out of feels like coming out of nowhere, but like we've known him for so long. You know, we've we've seen him uh we've seen him as the dude who had like the career six ERA. You know, like he was not something special. He was not uh, spectacular at all in the way he has been so far this year. He had at times kind of like an uh, uh, you know a, a command problem a walk problem but at the same time he was like a, a one thing i like looking at is a strikeout rate when a guy jumps from the, the rotation to the bullpen and his jump from like a six seven strikeouts per nine to a 10 this year it's like yeah that's a, when you say when you hear guys say that, that stuff plays differently in the bullpen that's what they mean their stuff suddenly gets a lot sharper uh, because they're focused on fewer pitches, they're throwing harder because they're focused on throwing to you know three, four, five hitters max. Um, it's a different world, dude. It, it really is. It, um, it's why so many teams have, have uh, I think, been a little quicker to say, like, you know what, things aren't working out right now in the rotation. We're going to start you there in spring training again. Don't sweat it. But, like, let's just take August and September and say, uh, let's try you in the bullpen. Let's see what happens if we just gas it up for, for one inning at a time. And that's a good way also if you need to limit innings on guys who are coming back from Tommy John or coming back um, from, uh, you know, the COVID year where they barely pitched and then maybe last year was a little bit injury shortened as well. Uh, then like, yeah, let's get through. I mean, look with the, with the Braves and with Spencer Strider, they started him in the bullpen. He was lights out. Now he put him in the rotation. Good chance he goes back to the bullpen. Um, we see that probably some of these Mariners guys, they have such a wealth of young pitching talent that they might end up going to the bullpen and their stuff will play differently. Um, my colleague, Call you know, Saris has is like the king of analytics for baseball media, and um, and he has a, a, a stat called Stuff Plus and uh, Pitching Plus, where it's funny to see if a guy moves to the bullpen or he goes from like a strider going from bullpen to starting rotation, how their Stuff Plus number changes because their approach is different, the strategy is different, the the game calling is different because the guy needs to face you need to face uh, Trey Mancini four times or three times in a game rather than just one and try to blow fastballs by him. So um, it takes a different skill set. And, uh, and, and Lopez is one of those guys that they successfully sort of bridge that, bridge that gap. And I feel like that's also kind of a similar thing with the Red Sox and Garrett Whitlock kind of in a way, because mm -hmm. he was in the bullpen last year, started in the bullpen this year. 
was in the rotation for a couple months, but then he, he got hurt and now he's back in the bullpen. I mean, maybe they're trying to limit innings because he's already thrown a ton of innings this year just from being moved into the rotation. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it, a good way, I think, for guys to get major league experience who aren't going to have any benefit from being a triple-A for another half season or whatever. You know, it's uh, something where when I was in Pittsburgh, they tried to do that with Tyler Glass now. They, he had such a miserable start in the rotation, 15 starts or something. And it was terrible. His stuff was worse. He was not pitching to the, the skills that he had, to the velocity he had. And they sent him down to the minors and he pitched great. He brought him back up. He didn't pitch well. And so you try different things. You put him in the bullpen as a long man. The one thing they didn't try was, you know, one or two inning stints. It was all trying to be like the mop up guy. But maybe in, in hindsight, that's something they would have tried is like, all right, let's just let's just re- hit the reset button and let's get you go out there for one inning and just gas it up and see, throw 102 throw that curveball you got like let's just see what happens and you feel good there we're not gonna make you stay there forever let's just get you like your feet back underneath you spring training will build it up you can throw four innings five innings six innings seven innings and like let's just get that confidence because nothing builds confidence like success in the major leagues and it's hard to find the success if there is a like a position that's preset for you and say oh you were so good as a starter in the minors uh, we have a we have a rotation opening we're gonna plug you right in there well if you get hit around for two starts, three starts, 10 starts, you are going to be demoralized. Your stuff's probably not going to be as good. You're a little tired. Um, so I think getting creative and finding ways for guys to get into major league opportunities, uh, whether that's for hundred pitches or just 10, um, I think it's only a plus because being a triple a just isn't helping guys these days. It's such, there's such a big difference in triple a and the major. Yeah. And you mentioned Tyler glass now in there and you talked about the Rays a little bit and how they always, kind of find ways to stay in 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 contention but with them they're kind of they're hanging on to a wild card spot right now they've kind of hit a little bit of a snag but last night was coming back from tommy john it's gonna be another another really good arm to their rotation because he's been lightening up since he's been in tampa yeah man he, i mean they figure out a way to get something out of Sorry, I lock up. Okay, they figure out a way to get something out of guys that other teams failed to get. Right, similar like the similar to the Dodgers, they find guys who other teams couldn't figure out, and they unlock something in them. And so, for Glass now, a lot of it was just pitching to the big part of the zone. It was saying, look, you have so much movement, you have so much, uh, maybe not as firm of a grasp on on command. So let's let me just set up right down the middle, and you throw me a hundred, and it's gonna be hard to hit no matter what, and it might just hit the black on the edge of the zone. And so. Um, stop thinking about dotting that outside corner. Think more about getting a strike and we'll, we'll figure out where it goes later. So um, yeah, man, they've, they've uh, done a great job with him. And, and uh, I remember hearing a couple months back, maybe he gets traded at this deadline. That'd be such an interesting move to, to acquire a guy coming off Tommy John. Um, Cause you wouldn't end up having that much time with him under contract when he comes back, but uh, doesn't, I've not heard any rumors of that lately, um, but uh, certainly an impact piece alongside Boz and McClanahan and the other arms they have, Patino, um, uh, for the future. This is a team that feels a little snake bit this year. Maybe this like their creative juices aren't working quite as well, but you have to believe next year they'll be they'll be right back at it and running a low payroll, but a high win total. Yeah, no, that's that's the Tampa Bay. That's the Tampa Bay motto really has been for a while. And obviously, like Oakland, be where they're playing in a couple of years. But uh, 
we'll wrap up sort of with one last thing. Uh, this is gonna be gonna be kind of a prediction time. Gonna kind of put you on the spot a little bit here. Sure. So this isn't trade deadline related necessarily, but as Ooh. things currently stand right now, what would be your World Series matchup? Um, my World Series, um, Astros, Mets. Ooh, okay. Okay, Astros, Mets. I, I could go a hundred ways with that, but I I'll know go Astros, Mets. Yeah, there are a lot. The, the good teams in baseball are really good teams. So, all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll go Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. Yeah. <laughs> That would be, oh, that would be fun. All right, so that is going to do it for our trade deadline preview episode of the podcast. Joined today by Stephen Nesbitt of The Athletic. Thank you so much for coming on. You bet. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this trade deadline preview episode of the Strikeout Central podcast. Be sure to follow Stephen on Twitter at Stephen J. Nesbitt to keep up with everything that is going on around Major League Baseball. If you would like to read about baseball news by the day as it happens, then check out the Strikeout Central website at www.strikeoutcentral.blogspot.com for daily posts. Stay tuned for the next episode. I'm your host, Michael. Have a good day and happy baseball season.